All right, welcome to the Insignificant Others podcast. I'm Brett Featherston. I'm joined by my podcasting partner in crime, Rob Flint. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Brett. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So for those of you who are listening for the first time, the purpose of the Insignificant Others podcast is to illuminate and share unique and interesting stories about people. People we have been unfortunate enough to cross paths with. People who are extraordinarily significant in their own right, but who are insignificant only because they aren't world famous. They're not pop culture icons. You won't read about them in newspapers or magazines unless they they walk out of my kitchen here and shoot somebody. But you're not going to see them in in magazines. You're not going to see them on TV, and that's a good thing. But the the big thing is is that everyone has a story, and we're going to tell those stories. So let's get started. So we're excited about our guest tonight. Our guest is Chad Armstrong. Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome, thanks. Chad. Thank you. Thanks for being here. It's uh, it's a uh, what what is it about nine thirty p.m. on a Thursday in November? It's rainy outside, a little muggy, but but weather's nice. We're coming off the back end of Halloween, heading into Thanksgiving. So anyway, Chad, thanks for being here with us. So let me let me uh, uh, set the table for you, Chad. And um, after I'm done, you can you can tell me if I get any part of your your story wrong, and I, I will try not to embellish. So Chad is uh, born and raised in Dallas, right? Correct. From Dallas. And actually, I think you said that you were uh, you were brought into this world at Presbyterian Hospital. That's right. Okay. So uh, Chad, uh, there's not many people <laughs> not, around here yeah, that yeah. were born at Presbyterian, unless they're like wait, wait, babies. all three of my kids. Yeah, my kids too. But <laughs> so uh, Chad, you spent your formative years here in Dallas, right? Correct. Um, you uh, went on to uh, Baylor University. You're a Baylor Bear, and uh, then you, uh, you you took your intellect to Texas A and M University. Is that correct? That is right. Yeah, you're the first one, but go ahead. Yeah. So, how, how do Aggies generally <laughs> view Baylor Bears? Are they friendly? Are they not so friendly? You know, I don't. I should know. I guess. I guess on my kids' baseball team, there's we have some Aggies and we have some Bears, and they they seem to work Get out along. well together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I, I have found that they're not always the most kind of bunch, depending on you know where you went to school. But nonetheless, they're good who, people. Who the Aggies? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but yeah. that's 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 another conversation for another day. Um, the, then you went on and, and entered the military, right? And right. OCS, right, right, in the Navy. That's right. And you uh, were 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 certainly at the top of the top, good enough to then make your way into uh, the Navy SEALs. That's right. That's right. You graduated, right? So that's a good thing. Yep, yep. That's a good thing. We're not here to tell the story of of you not graduating, although that would be interesting. Um, You served... This would be a really short podcast. It's like, (laughs) so uh, in week two, you rang the bell. What was that like? Yeah, that sucked. That sucked. That was pretty bad. So, so um, you served in the U.S. military for seven years. That's right. And then I did a couple of years in the reserves after that. Okay. So, nine total. You got out. You uh, uh, married a wonderful lady. Um, and now you've got four, four children, correct? I, and, I do. And, and what are, what are their, what's their age and, and sex breakdown? 13-year-old boy, 11-year-old girl. A um, nine-year-old boy and a little girl that just turned five on Halloween. Oh wow! Uh, awesome. And you are a uh, financial planner. I am. Okay. So uh, you've kept me honest. Did I? Oh, you know, you're also. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. I forgot to to mention this. Um, you're you're an ultra marathoner with a background in triathlon. And if I'm not mistaken, you were at one point um, a professional. Triathlete. I was. So, you, you so so I, I've got to ask this question here because uh, I've never heard of professional triathletes. Is 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 that yeah, really a so thing? It is. It is a thing, and and there are people that make a lot of money doing it. Not many people. There's probably more. And, and back when I raced over in Europe, there are people that can make a living at it, and there are a few here, like you know your Dave Scotts and your Mark Allens, and you know there are you know a handful. Um, it, it's, it's somewhat like, uh, the professional cyclist in the U S oh, yeah, yeah. who, I mean, you're eating, 
you know, I mean, if you're really out on the street racing, you're, 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 you're just trying to get by, it's, you know, you want product, you know, you're winning some money in a race. Um, you know, it's kind of like being a professional climber probably. Or, or probably like golf, you know, for every Tiger Woods, there's a thousand guys that are That's struggling right. to make a living. That's right. That's right. But okay. So when you were a professional triathlete, I was a that student was a, at the same time. Student, for okay. the most part. But you did a lot of competitions in Europe. No, 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 no. I oh, mean, I've done Hawaii, Ironman. Gotcha. I've went to New Zealand. I've done a lot of uh, races in the States and um, throughout the United States. But I never went to Europe. I was going to go to Germany and do an Ironman over there. But, you know, that wasn't my first. I mean, I was just doing that while I was in school. And I really picked up on that in college because I, I wanted to be a SEAL which I kind of wanted to be when I was in eighth grade. It kind of bounced between Formula One driver and Navy SEAL. And so, <laughs> Okay, okay. And I'm sorry to, to interrupt you. And, and for some reason, if you apologize for interrupting, it makes it better. But, uh, and, and I reserve the right to do that multiple times. You wanted to be a SEAL since eighth grade. I did, I did. Really? Yeah. What was the, what was the impetus for that? You know, we had, we had done some study, you know, like maybe in school, Vietnam. And at the time there were some movies that had come out and, and, and really I, I, I kind of wanted to be a, a Green Beret. And then I, I, I realized that, um, Navy SEALs existed. It was kind of hard back then because you just didn't have the, the, you know, the movies and the, you know, all, all the media around it and the tension yeah. around it. So you, you kind of had to go to the library and dig around and, and it was tough, but, um, I did my research and I, I realized that that would be a little bit more my style. Um, so, so I find that interesting that it was, it was research driven because in, in, not that I have a lot of contacts that were Navy SEALs, but you know, the stories I've read most of the time, it's a, a mentor relationship that drives somebody into it, but you, I'm assuming there's not really a mentor. It was just kind of that intellectual knowledge of saying, I'm going to research it and find out what's going to be right for me. Yeah. No, no, no. I did. I, I said, you know, and, and this isn't to say that SEALs are, are the best. I'm biased. I think they are. Um, it's, and it's really because the SEALs have that school buds that I'm telling you, there's no better way to find out if if somebody is a quitter than that cold water. And you can say, well, I just don't like the cold. Well, nobody likes the cold, okay? There's nobody on earth that really likes to sit in the cold water um, over and over and over again. So it's not like somebody has an advantage over somebody else, really, because they just enjoy sitting in cold, salty water. Um, and, And that medium there just allows the SEALs to really vet their people and find out, you know, who's, who can quit? Who's going to quit? So when you, when you uh, enrolled in Baylor, um, even as a freshman, did, did, was that a, a tangible goal of yours, um, wanting to, to it was, become it a kinda, SEAL? It kind of came and went because um, I didn't have a mentor. If, if I had known somebody who was, who was in, the, in the teams, then um, it would have probably been steady the whole time. But I kind of bounced around going, okay, what do I really want to do? And, um, and that always, I kept always coming back to that. And there was a time my freshman year that I remember my mom was saying, you know, you ought to think about transferring to the Naval Academy or to, um, or to one of the schools that has a, um, like Citadel or somewhere that has like a dedicated ROTC program because Baylor didn't have one for the Navy. And, um, and I remember thinking, but I'd have to repeat my freshman year and which is so short sighted. I mean, now as an, and looking back, is that, is that your biggest mistake? Well, no, I mean, freshman year times two. Yeah, it is freshman year (laughs) times two to stay in college longer. should be the goal of every person. It really, it really, I I understand that now. Good grade, (laughs) getting good grades in college is extremely overrated. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but we digress. Yes, yes. I hope my children so, are not listening. All right, all right. so so here here's here's what really I want to know is uh we, we've all seen the movies of buds training and how horrible it is. And and being in the water. I mean, listen, th- that bell couldn't be close enough for me to tap out. Uh, I hate cold. It, like you said, everybody hates cold. But in buds training and everything you went through in seals, 
Do you think that if you had to, that you could actually kill me in, in less than 30 seconds? I mean, yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, I mean, listen, I outweigh, you, I outweigh you by probably 50 pounds and not that I'm in your, your, you're in great shape and I'm in, uh, I'm going to say okay shape, but I outweigh you by 50 pounds. But do you think that I could last 30 seconds without you ending my life? Maybe. I mean, if you were a real, if you were a bad guy, I mean, maybe a minute. I mean, I'm maybe. not that. <laughs> I'm not that in practice, but I mean, I don't know. Some people just have that killer. They just have that drive and yeah, yeah I'm, and, and I'm guessing training, less than so. 30 seconds. I'd last. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we, right. we, we know that, uh, he would, um, I'd probably use a weapon, you know, nearby as well. Just, uh, okay. Without, okay, without wait, a weapon, without, without a weapon, weapon. Could I last okay. 60 seconds? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, and, and I am going to. You'd lose I'll agree with you. you I'll agree with you one hundred percent. You'd so lose let me, consciousness. Let, let, let me ask one kind of um, off off the beaten path question because this is something that some of my friends have have debated um, relentlessly over the last few months. Do you think, given your training, that you could last a round in a cage match versus Ronda Rousey? Oh, that's a tough one. I was just thumbing through her book the other day in the bookstore. Ah, you know, I think I could make a round. Yeah, okay. I do. I okay. do. She's good, though. Oh, she's really good. No, no, my friend. And, I, and I'm not a. I'm not. A, I mean, I know some guys that are that are awesome MMA type fighters, and they're team guys, and you know. And and actually, the, the debate. I'm sorry. I, I was I was so drawn in by the fact that you can take Brett down in less than a minute. Um, the debate that I was Which referring really to really isn't that impressive. I, I, I basically, I basically replaced you um, for uh, Mayweather. That that's the true debate. So, given given your co- combat skills, your fighting skills, um, do you think who would win, Ronda Rousey or Mayweather? Oh, May- it, it, you would pick Mayweather. Mayweather. Okay, I, yeah. I'm on that. I'm on that. Listen, side. those boxers. I mean, there's this. There's a real boxer when they. When they throw that punch, I mean, there's just something about yeah. their timing. I mean, there's a there's I a agree. real art to that. I agree. Now, you take the gloves off, and I think you put them on the street. And, and I might be wrong. This is just, just my, my thoughts on it. It could be a different story because there's a difference between, you know, punching without gloves on and, and, and actually in a ring with rules. Okay. So there's some differences there. But I, I think Mayweather would still be able to handle himself. If Ronda... <laughs> Could get in close where he couldn't punch and take him to the ground. I like Ronda's now, chances. Now, Packy or Mayweather on the, in the street? I, I would go Mayweather. Oh, I'd go Packy. You in would? Heartbeat. Yeah, he's, he's just done more street fighting. You think, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. I respect that. But I, I would pick Mayweather. So let, let me, let's go back. Let's, let's kind of take this back. Um, <clears throat> uh, what what was your lowest mental point um, during your SEAL training? What what point did you kind of was there a, a, a shadow of doubt as to whether or not you were going to be strong enough mentally and physically to make it through? Yeah, no, I mean there there wasn't. I, I I'm telling you, I, it was so hard for me to get to buds to to start with. That there was no way I was gonna I was gonna ring the bell or quit. I mean none. However, when when we get you know a lot of people think you know they want to just you know when they get through hell week it's gonna get better. And and I think it has gotten a little bit better because they've changed the curriculum a bit and I think for the better. But when I went through hell week was a little bit later than it is now, and um, and you still have to go through third phase out on the island, out on San Clemente and. Um, you know, it's just it's just a drag out there. I mean, you had a good time, but there are some parts out there where that would have been the lowest part of Bud's when it's just like, gosh, the finish line is just right there. We'd just hurry up and be done. And there were a couple of beatings out there that they gave the, the officers that, that were pretty good. And um I got I got pretty frustrated a couple times because it's it's a game and it's and it's fun when you look back on it. But I mean, they'll have you race. I mean, they'll have everybody race, and you know, you kind of got to time it, like because at some point they're going to say, you know, the top few people that win a race get to stop, and 
but if you if you're winning the first races and everybody else is sandbagging, and then all of a sudden they start letting people quit, and you didn't win that race, and then guys start turning it on, it gets kind of frustrating, and that's just yeah. the mental aspect of it. So, but. so I find that fascinating that you went into this kind of knowing, and, and there wasn't ever a time you said that you you ever really thought about quitting. Where do you think that tenacity came from? Was that was that something in your upbringing, or is it just hardwired into your DNA? You know, they've been trying to figure that out for a really long time. And they've been doing some really good studies out at at Naval Special Warfare out in Coronado um, so that they can pick better candidates, just just so that they can know that this guy is going to have a, before we spend all this time, that they're going to have a better chance of making it through the course. And um, I just have a tendency to think that, you know, somewhere during your upbringing, you've, you, you just, build it or it's developed but there's not anything you can look back on and say uh, okay that makes sense because of these things or this thing no i mean i didn't grow up like on a farm digging fence posts in the winter and i just had to but um i I don't know i just think people have it or they don't have it that's my my take on it i don't think you can show up at seal school and like learn how to not quit so have they figured out any kind of litmus test to determine who is going to maintain and, and have that type of fortuitive, fortuitiveness? Is that a word? Yeah, they, they've, um, there was a, um, a guy, a couple of people that came through Dallas not that long ago, and I was going to go um, hear him with a buddy of mine. Um, they've got a, um, like, uh, quite, like they, they nowadays they take people through like the officer candidates, especially like before, like, um, in their summer program before they determine who's going to be able to go to buds, they'll go through and like grade them on certain criteria and, and maybe give them tests along the way that are just like maybe little team building tests. And they're, they're picking which ones would have the best chance of making it through and just being a good leader in the teams. Yeah. So I, I don't know what those are, but I can imagine it's probably made it a little bit better but at the end of the day you just have to take people through the grinder yeah you know it's interesting and and you know this from your corporate background now too is is uh in in one of my prior experiences in the corporate world we actually did a lot of research and a lot of studies hired a lot of people to come in and say what's going to make somebody successful in this environment and the real you know at the end of the day we said okay it's it's going to be X, if they have X, because it's not education. It's not their work experience. It's not. And then after we started saying it's going to be that X factor for a while, Mm -hmm. we did that for a couple of years and we realized that really didn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. So we, we threw it all out the window and went back to realizing we're going to make a lot of mistakes. And I'm assuming that you've probably seen that not only with SEALs, but also in your corporate life of it's really hard to figure out who has that X factor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it, it is. I mean, it's like it's like people talk about. You look at you know business owners and who's successful. I mean, I'll tell you, there's some um, you know just just pick like uh, pick any industry where there's guys that are in their maybe 60s and they've been really successful. Maybe when they were in their 40s, they thought they were successful because they were just so smart. But by the time they get to their 60s, they start to realize, you know. I, right place, right time. I was smart enough. I got a little bit lucky here. I met this right person over here. And, um, you just can't, you just can't tell. Um, you just can't tell who has that appetite for taking their risks. Yeah. And, and, and it's not about background. It's not about your education. It's not about where you're grown up. There, there's something that's out there. So, so, uh, you know, I'm curious is, is there's been so many movies. There's TV shows, TV shows, the Discovery Channel has a lot on buds right now. Do you get tired of talking about being in the Navy SEALs? Is, is that almost like uh, no. something you're like, oh, crap, come on, you know? Yeah, so, so you're, you're, you're at a dinner party, you're, you know, Friday night, long day of work, you're out with your wife, and, and somehow, some way, that subject comes up. I mean, do you kind of duck your head down and say, oh, no, here it comes? I don't physically duck my head down, but Ever. yeah, in my brain I go. <laughs> in my brain I go. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't mind people knowing. It's not a. I try not to lead with it. I mean, there's certainly some times when it it helps in the 
business world, okay? But that's just maybe uh, to over to overcome any other shortcomings I might have to go, hey, look, this dude had the character at least be you know in the navy and do this. Well, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you have to, you have to acknowledge the fact that it is kind of the ultimate guy's magnet issue or story, right? Because and that's why every guy, every that's guy, why about once a week I say to myself, why did I even get out? <laughs> you know, because because you know what it's 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 it is it's great but um yeah the movies and all i really don't even see a lot of those movies um you know there'll be like a showing an advanced screening or something and i just kind of i don't i don't really and now i i have seen like like american sniper i've seen most of that movie because it's on hbo now yeah um and uh what's like lone survivor, lone survivor. I've, seen, I've seen parts of that so had, is there had, anything within the within the SEAL teams that, you know, you've got Lone Survivor, you've got uh, American Sniper, you've got the Bin Laden movies. Is there any kind of negative repercussions to the people that have written these books that have kind of been talking out of school? I, I mean, none none quite yet. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I know that there's some guys in the teams that are not happy about some of the ones that have been out at all. Um, I really, I really don't know long range how this is going to work out for them. I mean, they're all, they all do speaking tours. They all get paid to go speak. Um, I had, um, I knew four guys, um, you know, two really well on that helicopter that went down going in for, uh, you know, Mogadishu. No, Marcus Luttrell. Um, Oh yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, it's just, you know, in the books, the movies are pretty real. I mean, you know, you watch them, and you know, there's some there's some pretty good stuff in it that I, I've seen. Um, but I, it's just the nature of it. You saw, I was I was uh, this tonight before I came over here. Under Siege was on, and my kids were uh, watching it. And my wife walks through, and she's like, "Is this what are y'all watching? Is this appropriate?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And, uh, of course it's probably not completely, <laughs> but cause you forget those old movies, what, you know, what's yeah. appropriate and what's right. not. Right. Yeah. I'm mean, even, you know, and so the scene comes in where, you know, he's a cook and, and then they say he's a Navy SEAL. And my oldest who's 13 is like, you know, dad, how old is this movie? Were SEALs like good back then? What's going on? I thought they just got good recent, you know, <laughs> recently <laughs> I'm like good cooks or good. Good soldiers. You know, yeah. they could do both. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> usually when a SEAL loses his security clearances, they, they go become a cook. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, you cross paths with Chris Kyle. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris is, you know, around here. He was. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. One of the things that he had, uh, he had told me about, um, you know, his times is that a lot of it was just – he just got so right place, right time, all the time. Yeah, and in in his book, American Sniper, he, that's he says that a lot of times. You know, a lot of humility in it of you know not necessarily the best sniper, but had the most opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most you know most guys have some humility. They they know that they're human, and um, but uh, yeah, he would say you know one night he'd go out in this one area and come back, and the sit rep they'd be like. You know, he got a few guys and the other snipers are like, man, we didn't get anybody, nothing. And then he'd be like, hey, you come to my area. I'll go to yours. And they'd swap and, you know, he'd go to their area and they'd come back the next day. And he's like, I got three. And they're like, he'd be like, hey, did you get any? And they're like, got nothing. (laughs) It's like everywhere (laughs) he went, um, it worked. But, you know, you kind of make your own luck, right? And he was, he was, you know, solid operator. you know, the biggest part about American Sniper in the book, in the movie, that they talk about that I think is really the, the core part of the movie is that adjustment from going from the teams back into the real world and having relationships that aren't based on, on military protocol. Did you have any challenges with that as you transitioned from being in SEAL teams to... Yeah, probably not, not as much, but I can feel what some of those guys would feel because I remember... You know, when I got out or when I got back from a deployment, you know, we had, um, you know, we were doing some, some things, some pretty cool stuff at the time in, in, in the Balkan Peninsula. And, you know, it's like the, everybody back home doesn't even have a clue what's going on. They don't understand that there's 
bad guys running all over the place. I mean, they, they didn't even, I mean, this is, you know, part Clinton time frame. I mean, people just didn't even know. And that, that's actually a good point, Chad. So you, what year did you start as a SEAL? So I was a 95-year group officer, okay. and then I got out the summer of really the fall. I mean, I was getting my medical exam to get out on 9-11. And I'd already had wow. my, um, yes, yeah, so I was in our little medical in between our teams and um, watched the tower and we're like, Shh. I went back to the team and everybody's sitting around the TV and we're all talking. Um, you know, and at that time, that's why, that's the reason I stayed in the reserves because I figured if anything happened, they didn't do a stop loss for, for us and um, for the officers. And I figured, hey, if anything happens, I can jump back in. But um, our thoughts at the time, and I, I know it's so easy to have that hindsight bias, but our thoughts at that time was, you know, we're going to retaliate. It's going to be, you know, maybe a year, maybe two years. It's going to be a big army. And that's kind of what happened in the very beginning. And there's not going to be a lot of, of spec ops um, going on initially. And, um, you know, Bush was, you know, had just become president. And so we we had no idea that you know here it is 2015 and we we still have you know now we've got advisors going to Syria and people are still in Afghanistan yeah. and you know people are still in the Balkans I mean so it's it's been a different world um, you know I didn't get to make those calls I mean if if I had if I was sitting in the White House I, it would have been a one to two year deal and then we'd have been gone. And we wouldn't have to feel obligated to rebuild anything. We would just know that every 10 years, every decade, yeah. we'd have to go back there and get the bad guys out. Get bad guys. Yeah. And, and I kind of feel like if, if we had done that, and this is just, look, I'm not a professional military guy. I'm not a politician. But by 2015, we would have been back there two more times, right? Right. right. But we wouldn't have been on this forever, um, which is... On the, on the other side. Well, we're going back in now to some of those places because we chose to stay out for too long. But True, true. But, you know, and one of the problems with being in for so long is it just wears down the American people so that when we really have to go in somewhere, people don't have the appetite for it. Right. And so you got to be careful um, what you press the, the American people on. So, so speaking of that... From what we see on the news in America, from the point of view of the news, and, and we know that, I mean, let's be honest, the, 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 the news media has a point of view. Ha- they have an agenda they're trying to push forward most of the time. But they sell what, advertising space. Yeah, yeah they do. It's, I mean, <laughs> listen, it, there's a reason that Honey Boo Boo has a TV show, that the Kardashians have a TV. So they're, they're selling advertising space. But the point of view that we get on the so-called news, and, and air quotes, Versus what is really going on over there? What is is it is it a good representation of what it is, or is it is there some some fluff factor built in there? Oh, oh like what's going on right now? Well, or just for, in- from right now, in, in not that I, I you know, you, you haven't been to Afghanistan, you know, you've been out of the seals for for years, but when you were in the Balkans, mm-hmm. from what was reported here to was it accurate or was it? Oh, probably not. And I, I'd imagine that. I mean, listen, life goes on in these third world nations that are under war and conflict. You know, kids still go to school. People go to the market. I mean, there's still a life there. It, it, it's, it's somewhat like, um, it's, it's kind of like if, if, if you had somebody that was, if one of your family members was going to fly to Karachi, Pakistan, you might be a little concerned, right? But in reality, um, it, it's, probably a pretty safe place to go right right, right. okay right. and so yeah we try to i mean i think the press is always trying to blow things out of proportion because they want they need eyes and ears you know it's really interesting right now when you look at the uh the the mass migration of muslims into europe mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to to have an honest opinion about it because I don't know how much is being blown out of proportion by the media, how much is real. You know, I know Germany's taken a lot of people in, but have you been catching up with all of that that's going on? And You know, I mean, and I, I could be totally off, but, you know, I hear on one hand, I'll, I'll see all the pictures on like Nat Geo and it, it shows, you know, moms with their kids and my heart 
breaks for those families. I mean, that's tough. Yeah. But then I'll hear that like 90-something percent of the Muslims that are coming in are men. Military-age okay? men. Military-age men. And then I hear that in Austria, you know, you can't buy a gun. And they have pretty good gun rights there. And all the women that live in Austria are just cleaning out the stores, buying guns, because they're really concerned. Um, and then we know that, you know, in, in countries like um, Belgium, I mean, there's there's some Muslims there, that some extremists that have just said, we're going to rule the country in a few years because ha- we're having enough babies. And when they get a voting age, they're going to vote everybody else out. So... I don't know. It's like, it's think of it like this. If, if so, Brett, you know, you've got your family, you've got three kids. Yep. If my family just moved onto your front lawn and, and Rob's family moved onto your front lawn and then all of a sudden a bunch of other people start, we were in their backyard and you're going, wait a minute, this is my house. This is my family. And then all of a sudden some of us move into your house. Um, you're going to have a problem. And we, we are all, we all live here in Dallas, right? So now why are we so shocked that nations get a little ruffled when people start yeah. parking on their... Well, isn't that Bernie Sanders' plan for the U.S.? Is all socialism? It, sure. <laughs> it is. Just give everybody everything you need, right? I was going to say, so... I'm shifting gears a little bit here. So, so after the seals, and, and so I find this just as fascinating and, and, and absolutely you're a fascinating, you're a great guest and, and thank you for being on here. But so being a seals means that you're kind of the manliest of all men and you can kill me in, in less than 30 seconds. We figured out, but now you're an ultra marathoner, which, which just means that, uh, it, it, well, I'm not talking about you, just me. It means that I'm a complete weenie. But <laughs> how did you get started in ultra marathoning? Yeah, so when I was in the Navy, I, I wanted to do this um, 50 miler and I just couldn't do it. I just, the schedule, and I think I had twisted my ankle pretty bad. And I kind of always wanted to go do a 100, 100 miler at some point. Um, I mean, probably back when I was doing triathlons, I was like, you know, one day I'm going to go do, you know, the Western States 100 or one of the races. And so when I got out of the Navy at first, I was just working hard. And then I, I said, I, I, my wife's like, okay, you need to, you need to be running or racing. And I'm the type of person I've got to have something on the calendar for me to really push myself. And so, I mean, I've got to have an event or something that I'm, I'm training for. And I, so by the way, I, I completely identify <laughs> with that. If I don't have something, I'm a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a wreck. So, cause I, I do like to work and I like yeah. to read and I'll just get, I'll just pour into other things and not, not hit the road or do what I need to do as on the, you know, running. And so, gosh, was it maybe eight years ago? I forgot when it was, but I signed up for this. Uh, I wanted to go do a hundred miler in the mountains and my wife was like, um, I want you to do one locally before you go do one in the mountains. Let's just see if you can do a hundred first. I'm like, come on, really? I'll knock out a hundred. And so I went, um, Hey Brett, he talks about it. Like it's walking down the corner. Well, listen, cup, listen, there's a cup of coffee. And you Starbucks. could go. It's so, kind of like, wait, he talks about this the same way. I, I can knock out a hundred pretty easy, but I'm talking about a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. Listen, I, can, I can do that. Listen, it's, it's like people go, people go, wow, that's hard. And it's like, listen, an 800 meter is hard, right? Yeah. If I had to go line up on the track and run 800 meters with people watching and a stopwatch. I mean, I'm going to vomit at the end of it. I mean, that is going to be hard. So I have respect for every distance. So yeah. don't think for a minute that the longer is harder than something shorter. You just, you just, t- you don't, you, you just, your exertions are different and you're, you, it's about eating. You got to get your food down. And I'll tell you that first race I did was, I did really well. And, and, it, and that was about eight years ago. You did your yeah, first like hundred miler. Ago. It was, uh, um, and you, and you didn't build up. You didn't start with a, you know, 40 miler. No, no, no. But I did do, I did do a couple of 30 mile okay. runs and okay. I might've done a, and I don't think I did a 40. I did some 30 mile okay. runs just for fun. You go out and do a 30 mile. No, run. no, it was for training for, training, for the right. race. So it wasn't to go, Hey, I'm just going to for fun. I mean, I was like, literally, okay, I got this race coming up. I got, I'm getting a little, little nervous. I got to make sure I can, I don't want it. It's just to be a, you know, a trail of tears. I want to be able to run it, you know, somewhat. But, and how long does it take you to run a hundred miles? 
So this one was in um, McKinney, and it was a 24-hour race, which is really kind of interesting because you, you go for 24 hours and see how far you can go. And But I really just wanted to do 100 because this one guy, he's a SEAL, his name is David Goggins, and he does these 100-milers, and I was talking to David about them, and he's like, yeah, just do, if you just want to knock out 100, just do a 24-hour race and, and do the 100 within there. And so my wife, bless her heart, it was like literally, I mean, it was 25 degrees that night and it was windy and there's a little hill on this course and it's a 1.1 mile loop and apparently a lot of the uh there was a handful of of, of i'm sorry it's a it's a 1.1 mile loop you went around 100 times you're going in a circle or 99 you're going in a circle in a a circle it's more like a square like a big square for as long as you can go, yeah, or as far yeah. as you can go for twenty four hours, yeah. Uh, so that, so, that sounds like a NASCAR race, yeah. So, so I'm oh I'm going God. I'm going, and there's a little hill, and apparently a couple there's like a handful of top ultra runners who are trying to break the American record, like Scott Urich, and they all bailed on it after like maybe 30, 40 miles because that little hill makes a big difference when you're trying to break a record, and I, I get it now, but I didn't care. I just need to do a hundred. So every loop. I would, uh, my wife would have, and she's a runner too, so that helps. She'd have a bottle with some fuel in it, and I just fueled a little bit every single lap because I didn't really know how to fuel for it. A hundred times. And man, it worked. It worked really well. Well, I ended up, she missed count, and I ended up doing like 110 miles. (laughs) What was it? It was like uh, 19 and a half hours or something like that. And and of course, she wasn't wrong, right? No, she wasn't. Okay. No, she wasn't wrong. No, <laughs> but I, I, I'll tell you, um, the shame is, it was the national. It was the national twenty um, four hour championship, and all the uh, the top two guys. One was from like Poland, and one was from somewhere in Africa. And if I had just kept going, I I, I stopped because I just really really wanted to do a hundred. If I'd kept going, I could I could have been. It was just been totally not. I would have felt kind of bad. I'd have been the national 24-hour champion that year, (laughs) even though there's like tons of people that would have crushed me if they knew that 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 was that. uh, But whatever. So you did that race. I did. And you know, and you know what? They do have these other 24-hour races that are actually on tracks, and you know, it's it's you get your mind around it, Rob. You could do it. You just get your mind. No, I I can't. You could do it, Rob. Run, run, running around uh, in a circle for that for that distance, I, I I don't. I think I would I would break mentally. Dude, Listen. you walked lost in the mountains for forty miles. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then <laughs> and, and, and yeah. Listen, Iran. listen, listen. The circle. The nice part about it is your aid, like your fuel, True. is like okay. there. And it's just that's you, actually I, a really good point. Yeah, I'm telling you, you can just get your mind. You know, you think, oh my gosh. A 400 meter track, you know, for a hundred miles. But there's some, you go Google, there's some crazy stories about some top, top runners. Back in the old days, they, uh, there was a, 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 um, an event in England where they, it was an invite only where they had like, you know, 10 guys. And one guy, I mean, he knocked out his first marathon in like, oh, it was like a two, it was like a, you know, a, a two twenty, a two twenty five marathon, or something crazy fast, and and just smoke the the, the hundred mile record on a track, and this is like in the sixties or yeah. something like that. And I will I will say this, and and, and people were harder back then. And, and in the only um, long distance race that I've done, um, which was the Grand Traverse uh, from Crested Butte to Aspen, um, I did it for the most part by myself. Um, really, I, think, I think you need to say that with kind of a well, Harvard accent. Well, no, from Crested Butte to Aspen, I well, walked through the miles. Yeah. <laughs> On my yeah. during my spare time, I just showed up and my yeah. Sherpa <laughs> lost the caviar, and it made me so angry. Funny that you say Sherpa because uh, somebody who may be listening to this will probably get a chuckle out of that. But. Um, my, my experience, um, and this is why I respect what you've been able to accomplish, is that um, I, I, I knew that I would be, you know, leading the the back end of the pack, um, and I use the word lead, um, you know, to my favor there. But um, had I being alone in the middle of nowhere as you're exerting yourself at night, um, at, you know, I was it wasn't at night; it was early morning. We had to start. 
but but I literally um, kind of lost myself. Um, and so I can understand what you're saying um, that to have kind of you know people around the track and you're you're constantly fueling yourself, or that would be something that wouldn't be, you know make it so bad. Right. But anyway, but but the, your 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 mental fortitude, your your endurance uh, abilities are, are are really amazing. So tell tell us about. I know you did a big mountain race um, in Colorado. Yeah. So I've so I've done I've that. done um, a few and you know a handful of them in Utah, which are great. I mean, there's one that's um, the Bear 100, then there's the Wasatch 100, and then there's um, Hard Rock 100, and that's the best of all, I think. There's one in um, a buddy of mine's done in um, um, Asuncion that that you know that island where they found the pieces of the wreckage of the the, the uh, Malaysian airliner. It's off the oh, coast of Madagascar. Yeah. There's supposed to be a really good. I mean, he's done it. He's like, it's a great one. It's really hard to get to, but it's a really hard one. And then there's um, there's the UTMB, which is goes around. It's like Chamonix. It goes around Mont Blanc. And I'd like to do that someday. That's just supposed to be spectacular, really nice. but um, so were you were you a runner growing up? Did you run cross country? Did you you know I ran I ran track in um, in junior high, okay. and then in high school I didn't. I mean I played baseball and football, and I really, I mean I, I you know talking about regret, I do kind of regret I didn't run in um, in high school. Yeah. When I picked up triathlons in college, I had um, I ran every once in a while with some cross country guys at Baylor, and they also ran track. And they, uh, I was considering um, running track, but Coach Hart, the coach down at Baylor, had said I couldn't do triathlons. And since I was really, you know, doing that to do, you know, to, just to be in shape for the SEALs, I really didn't want to go run for the for Baylor. Yeah. I really kind of should have because it had been really cool to have, have run for Baylor. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't have, like, broke any records or anything like that. But, I mean, I was a, I was a decent, I mean, I was a yeah. good runner. yeah. That's incredible. That's some good fi- fast 5K times and 10K times because at the time, you know, you're doing the, the mid to, you have to do the international triathlons as well as the Ironmans and half irons and stuff like that. But now, do you like, did, did you, you were talking earlier, you said that uh, you were a stronger biker than you were a runner when, yeah, you, were, when you were doing triathlon. So did you, did you like the bike better? I did. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. I love the bike. And you do not ride now. It just takes too long. Yeah. Just logistics. Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, I actually have an, an indoor bike, and I'll ride that. Yeah. Um, maybe once a week or something like that. Sometimes twice a week. But I haven't gotten... I mean, my two bikes are, like, in deep storage. Yeah. I mean, I just don't ride. So what's your training regimen like now? I mean, you've got four kids. You've got a wife. You've got a job. How do you fit in training to do these marathons? You know, I, I run a lot. And when I do run, I run... You know, sometimes I'll, like, take a daughter to soccer, and I'll go for a run there. I can go for an hour. And then sometimes I'll, I'll run early in the morning. Now, let, 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 hey, Brett, let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, Chad. Uh, I've, had, I've had conversations with Chad in the past. Um, you know, we would be at one of our son's baseball games back in the day. And, um, you know, when I was kind of active um, in running and biking, I'm not as active anymore. Uh, but, but, you know, I would say, Hey Chad, you know, did you work out this morning? And he'd say, yeah. And he'd ask me the same question and I, yeah, I, I, I ran six miles and he's like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, well, how far do you run Chad? And he's like a marathon on yeah, a Saturday, 24. <laughs> on a Saturday. Right. Yeah. I mean like no, you would, yeah. you, you, because of your, your long distance training. Yeah. I mean, you have to run the mileage. Yeah. And, and you I mean, dude, there's no way around but it. But to the average person. I mean, that's just, that's somewhat unfathomable. Yeah, so usually my long runs on like a weekend would be, if I've got a race coming up, yeah. I'll do, you know, maybe like 30 on Saturday and 20 on Sunday. He says um, that so so casually. Yeah, they suck. Sometimes they suck. Sometimes they feel great. Yeah. Just, you just don't know. Okay, so how do you do 30 miles? I mean, are, are you doing loops? Yeah, multiple so, loops? okay, so I leave my house, I go down my street, and then I take a left on Park Lane. I take a right on Douglas, and I go take Douglas all the way to like generally to Beverly. And I'll take a left on Beverly and go down to like the Katy Trail. I will not get on the Katy Trail usually because I just I'm not anti Katy Trail, but 
um, maybe I should start going down it. People are mugging people and stuff. It'd yeah. be a little workout within the workout. But yeah. there's some scenery down there. I will hit like Cole or something like that and head to downtown. And then I'll take a left somewhere and meander through there. And then I'll head down to the lake. So what kind of pace are you doing on these? It just, it really, it really depends. But ah, I'd say probably 7.30-ish or something like that. Seven and a half hundred miles for 30 yeah. miles. Maybe a little faster, maybe a little slower, just yeah. depending. Yeah. Just depending on the time. So when you're not training for something, um, average mileage during a given week? Oh, 30 miles, maybe when 40. When there's no race on. 30 to 40. I get really? kind of lazy when I don't if have a you race. Don't, so basically for you, if you don't do it, you're just not the same, right? It's your, obviously, it's your outlet. Right, right. But you're not, you're not the same. Right, okay. that's true. Yeah. But if I'm really ramping up for a race, the most I'll, I'll do mileage-wise is maybe – maybe 105, 110 miles a week that's for a few weeks. That's insane. But, I mean, there's people that just crush it, you know, and that's that's one reason why I can't live in the mountains, man. If I lived in the mountains, I'd be uh, – it just I, – I don't think I could work. Wow, because you'd always want to be outside. I would. I'd want to be out in the backcountry. <laughs> You know, I mean, go, you're not going to go John Rambo on yeah. this area. Man, I, I have a real – I have a real um, – it's like – if I was doing that, yeah. I would think I'd be missing something on like the business front. You know, I wouldn't have that need need met. Yeah. And and but being here, I'm always kind of looking there, perusing through these mat. I mean, it's look, they're already I just saw a picture of some dude, you know, hitting the powder in um in in Utah. No, yeah, it was in, in Utah. Yeah. Um there was pictures just taken and it's like it'd be great to be up there right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, let's let's take a little shift here in conversation. Um, you would consider yourself to be a politically active, engaged person. Yes. Yeah, I'm engaged for yeah. sure. I mean, I'm. I'm. Yeah. And and where do you where do you fall on the spectrum of politics? You know, um, I'd say. Or is that is that the wrong question? Are you gonna? No, I I'd, I'd say. Me? Uh, listen, listen, right listen I, I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to, I'm going to make a, <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction that here is an intelligent person. I'm just, I'm that kidding. has mental fortitude. Absolutely. I know where this is going to go. I'm just going to think he's going to fall to the right. Just, just, no, a tad bit. just, just mean, based on the intelligence alone. I, I want to give, that's, I want to give, give Chad the opportunity to, to tell yeah, I'm on the more conservative yeah. side, and it would just you know, and I, I'm more conservative on 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 you know both yeah I'd say social you could say and fiscal, but I, I, the fiscal is what really matters right now in yeah. our nation. I mean, unfortunately, I mean I, maybe I'm wrong to say that because we've kind of lost a lot of our character in this country as well. Yeah, but you know, now what what are your it's thoughts? A free country. What are your what are your thoughts? Your leanings um, on the current. Uh, presidential race on the Republican and Democrats. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm well. It's the real shame. I think is that the Democrats don't have any, you know, don't have a, a slew of. They don't have a stable of candidates running, and that is a shame um, because there are some. You know, I've heard even some of the um, the conservative talk show hosts just rattle down a list of Democrats that are are a little bit more moderate that are very sound and, and you'd say why is that why aren't these people running and you've got nobody i mean you got a socialist and then you have hillary and it's just really strange yeah. i mean and if you really think about it um how is that i mean why is that you know the amazing thing and it depends it, it, it does not depend on whether or not you're talking to republicans or democrats nobody really believes she's telling the truth there is no integrity with what she's saying, and that amazes me. That it, well, it doesn't amaze me that, that that Republican voters would not vote for her based on her lack of integrity. But it amazes me that people that lean Democrat would accept somebody with that so little of and integrity. And they would demand a better can, better candidates, yes. better perspective. Somebody candidates. that has not accomplished anything. Other than, you know, similar to Barack Obama, whose biggest accomplishment was being elected president, but nothing before then that would justify it. So she was given the task of, of Secretary of State, 
and had, uh, you know, everything with Benghazi. And, and you look in her past and it's filled with corruption so and, that, and, so that, and lies. So I mean, that's interesting because, you know, when you look at that past and you see all of that, the office of the presidency should be so important. It's, it's, it's more important than any one person. So oftentimes we kind of take this like maybe, um, uh, what, like, they're like a movie star, they're a celebrity, and we kind of forgive them. And it's like, wait a minute, this is the office of the presidency. Um, if, if, for instance, like, if I had one thing against me, I would just say, you know what, the office is too important for me yeah. to, to, to risk. I'm out, and I'd back up. But these people have such, what, hubris? I mean, they are, or no, they are so, narcissistic oh, that, absolutely. that it, nothing yeah. is going to disqualify them in their minds. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and that goes for both. That goes for either party. Yeah. It doesn't no, I, matter. The, yeah. well, well, to me, to a degree, it's, it's anybody that's smart enough to be president is smart enough to never, ever want to be president. I mean, why would you want to live in a, a, a fishbowl like that? Yeah. No, that, yeah. You're automatically going to disqualify, you know, or self, you know, so, so you lean to the right. You look at, here we are in November. We're a year away from the elections. Give us a rundown on, on the, the top candidates right now. I mean, you look at it and you've got, you've got Trump, you've got Carson, you've got... Uh, uh, Fiorina. I, I'm a big Carly Fiorina fan. But uh, although she's, you know, in single digits in the polls, even Christie and Rand Paul have dropped off. What are your thoughts on, on kind of the future of the party? Yeah. So like Rand Paul. So he's a Baylor grad, right? <laughs> he, uh, you know, he, he's okay for his state, right? And yeah. so power should right be in the state. So I'm totally fine with having, like, if I had, if I, if I owned a company, like a large company, I would, you know, if one, I think corporate governance is just a train wreck in this nation, but I would have my board um, consist of some people who have completely different views because it's good to hear what yeah. other people think because it lets you come from that perspective and look because, you know, we all have blind spots. And so I'm, I'm totally okay with a guy like Rand Paul being, you know, a member of the party and, you know, would I want him to be my president? Absolutely not. I, I, I don't share a lot of his views, but I think he's, I don't think he's bad for the party, you know? So I'm okay with him being out, right? Yeah. Or him, you know, not, not making Oh, yeah. I was list. a big fan of his dad. Yeah. No, no, no. And so, um, like Rubio, I think there's going to be some things that I've just heard that there's going to be some things that are going to come out about him um, that, you know, not the, not like credit card debt or anything like yeah. that. That's pretty stupid. But, I mean, some bigger things. So maybe he's going to be out. But I'm really... Um, I love the fact that he quit licking his lips. If yeah. you remember like a year ago, every time we'd talk, he'd just sit there and lick his lips like crazy. And that was so annoying. Well, well I just had... Like somebody finally of, told him. I just had a sip of coffee when I was talking to you guys. And I, every time I do that when I'm talking, I think of that. Yeah. I'm drinking, oh, wa- oh, drinking the water. Yeah. The, the, one, the one thing about Rubio that, that, that really kind of drives me crazy is that he, he is the king of the... Uh, political sob story about you know how his family came over here on a boat from Cuba and you know and but it's it's and I and I respect that obviously um, but it's like every single time it's like here's my first you know ten seconds and I'm gonna yeah. talk about that and I'm like this and, and it's like get ben over Car- it. Yes, Ben Carson yes. is like the Modern Family episode where it's like. Damn it! We're trumped by a paraplegic and a an Indian and a uh, Native American paraplegic. You know, it's yeah. like yeah. Ben Carson trumps that so much. So. You know, but it's like there's happy people that have tons of money, and there's really miserable people that have tons of money, and there's happy people that are dirt poor and miserable people. Yeah. Just get over it. Yeah. You know, everybody just get over it, yeah. and, and 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 you know, you can be happy no matter what your state, what your stage. I mean, make it a challenge. I mean, so I don't know. I like, I do like Cruz. I think, you know, there's people who are like, he's unelectable, he's too conservative. And that may be, that may be. Um, I think he'll do, I mean, I know he would do really well in, in the debate, on the debate stage. Yeah. Does that really matter? Do, 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 depending on the voter turnout and our particular, um, 
precincts, does that does that really matter? Do they watch it? Do those? I, I have no idea. So I'm, I'm real curious as whether or not Cruz would would consider being vice president because I think he would make an excellent vice president. Being able to an influence without mm-hmm. actually having to be the starring mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's certainly. Um, the smartest guy by by far. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the thing about that though, I mean, I I, I look at him. If you are uh, at the head of the ticket, is Cruz a number two guy? Because I mean, he's lived his life kind of going against the grain, questioning the status quo, um, you know, aligning himself with the Tea Party, and and for me, I I don't I don't see that for him. Personally, I'm not saying that he couldn't, you know, he wouldn't do a good job. You know, historically, if you've looked at the, the, the vice president, the number two guy, they're, they're, they're your mouthpiece to go attack the opposition. Uh, let's look pre-Obama administration as, right. as to where, because it, it's definitely pre-Obama administration. Because Biden has not been that role, really. Biden hasn't been, but Obama has been. And it, it, it's it, Obama... And I, I, I don't like this about him, and, and I, I give a lot of credit to George W. Bush, and I'm a big fan of W., but uh, he, he elevated the, the office to say, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to lower the office to that level. And I think Obama has. But pre-Obama administration, it was the vice president that would be the dissenting opinion or, or the one that would go out and be a, the attack dog. Cruz would do that awesome and let the president kind of stay above the fray. So I think in that in that respect it was. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears here a little bit uh, with you, Chad. So uh, you've got such an impressive background from uh, other than Baylor and A and M, which really aren't that impressive. Um, I'll be honest with you, that's that's really just kind of it's <laughs> kind of namby pamby. Right. But you went to the Seals, um, <laughs> which is really cool. You're an ultra marathoner. I'm curious as to how you bring that into your day-to-day life now with yeah. raising kids, with being a husband, being a father, being a provider. How do those disciplines help you do those three roles better? Yeah, I, I guess it's it's maybe, um, I mean, not not that I, I mean, I certainly have people that I look up to, and I just, I just, you know, for their character and for their tenacity and, you know, all those different qualities. And I try to reflect those as much as I can. So, you know, raising kids these days, I mean, there's so many different facets to, you know, what we want to instill in them. You know, we, I want my boys to be, to grow up to be men and to, and I want my girls to have their values and intact and their, their, their character. And, um, you know, and, and I think that that helps maybe, maybe, but I see a lot of really good dads around who who emulate that, who who you know who weren't in the seals. Um, but there's so much information out there, and there's so many you know good resources that people can go find and read about how to be a good dad and how to be a good father, and, or if, yeah, a good husband. Um, you know, I tell you what, we see so many um, problem marriages around around just here, much less in the military. And, um, I mean, it's, nothing's easy. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, you, you gotta, you know, I think sometimes people think that life's just supposed to be yeah. fun all the time. Yeah. There's going to be challenges. And there's going to, you know, and they, but they don't realize there's, that there's going to be challenges. And so every time there's a challenge, they bail, you know, and you just can't do that. You gotta, you gotta have the fortitude and fight through the challenges that you have. And you know we're a very happy family. I'm happy. I'm, I'm I'm for the most part. And I think a lot of that is I try to keep a balance between work and between going and doing fun things and going and hunting. And well, well if running, running and, gives you dopamine, you're on a dopamine <laughs> overload. Yeah, I mean, you know, but so does uh, I mean, you know, I, I like to hunt and I like to fish and I like to do all of that stuff. And so, um, you know, just get away. And um, yeah, and there was this article I read the other day. I think I heard it in a podcast. It was talking about dopamine, some research. Maybe it was on Dredge. They said that there's some other drug instead of dopamine. Dopamine might be part of it on the runner's high. <laughs> but Well, speaking of highs. It, yeah, this has been a high. Chad, thank yeah. you so much for being here. We hey, no, really, great. really appreciate yeah, we it. Appreciate this, it. Is, this has been really fantastic. I've, I've enjoyed hearing your story. And, uh, you know, really... 
This has been the whole purpose of the Insignificant Others podcast is because there's so many people out there like yourself. Just totally insignificant. Yeah, I mean, not in our eyes, Chad. So listen, if Honey Boo Boo is significant, if Kim Kardashian is significant, give me insignificance every day. Hey, listen, everybody has a story that's going to be interesting when you really sit down and you and you talk to them. Absolutely. Yeah, and your story has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank Chad. Remember, you can pick this up on insignificantotherspodcast.com. For Rob Flint. Apple, don't forget to uh, plug the uh, the fact that we will be available for download on uh, the Apple App Store. On the podcast, yes. yes. Well, thanks, Chad. Thank you very much, great. Chad. We'll we appreciate it.